The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Well, yesterday, um, evil visited France. And it doesn't take much to look at what everybody is saying about it to realize that the world is in turmoil. The whole world, the whole world is in turmoil over terrorism. And there are so many different opinions out there and people think all these different things. And I've I've never seen more misrepresentation of scripture in the last few days as I've ever seen before in my life. I mean, people quoting the Bible here and there, even Christians, well-meaning Christians, trying to figure out how God feels about this or what his response would be, and Muslims and, and uh, Hindus and Buddhists and, and, and atheists, and everybody's kind of weighing in on this whole tragedy. And there is not one simple, clear This is the answer. This is what we should do. The problems in the world are very complex. And so pulling a verse out of the Bible is very unhelpful. That doesn't solve anything. That doesn't doesn't help the situation. It's important, I think, to at the very least separate out what we're dealing with here. And if you're a Christian, then you know that the scriptures teach... That we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and evil in the world. That's who our enemy is. We've got to make that very clear that our enemy isn't people. It's evil. It's the devil. And, and you have to understand, and, and way also with that, you know, people are throwing out things like turn the other cheek and love your enemy and, and completely misquoting that and don't understand exactly what that means or why Jesus said it or what it was about. And so coming to the complete wrong conclusion, sitting down with a terrorist over a cup of coffee to try and understand their policies or to share the love of Jesus with them is a foolish, stupid unproductive thing to do if evil came to your house and knocked on your door with a bomb and machine guns or what have you and was going to kill your family members you wouldn't take that approach either all right you would fight christian or not you would fight to protect your family and that's a very normal obvious response and so More than anything today, I think what we need to do is pray for all of those families that are in horrible, horrific mourning right now because their family members are gone now forever. And I think that's our primary role here is to pray and then understand your Bible. Understand your Bible. And if you don't understand it fully, then don't try to be an apologist to some Muslims or whoever. Just love people and pray against evil. Okay? So just start with that and let's move forward and do what we can. So uh, today isn't about giving some 
answer to all of this more than I think we just need to pray. Our hearts go out to all of those people who are in immense suffering. But not just that. I think that an attack on, a, on the United States is imminent. And it's not a matter of if, it's, you know, it's, it's when. Uh, ISIS has made no, no uh, cover-up at all about their intentions on killing Americans. And so they will eventually find a way, as they did before, and Americans will be killed. And so we need to pray for our country as well and our leaders and that they would know how to handle this and, and uh, help our nation be safe. So could we just together today just join for just a, a quick prayer? And you would pray with me and let's pray for our uh, brothers and sisters in France. Father, we lift up the whole nation of France today that's in mourning, in fear, in worry, in sadness. Lord, I pray that love would be stronger than death in this situation and grace would abound and that there'd be healing that could begin. Holy Spirit, I pray that, that your power would be made strong in every church there today and every pastor. Lord, that you would bless them. You would bless those congregations. You would help them to provide love and support for everyone that's going through this horrible evil. And Father, we pray that you would raise up a standard against the devil who wants to kill and destroy and lie and defeat every human being on the face of the earth. Lord, raise a standard against him and bring an end to his reign of terror. We pray, Lord, that you would return soon. Come quickly, Lord, and receive your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, sometimes it's hard for me to know how to respond to different challenges in my life. When something doesn't go my way, when there's a barrier to what I'm trying to accomplish, a goal that I might have, or maybe it's something that I want for my family and in prayer, and God, when he says, no, no, this is not right for you, you can't have it, it's not going to happen at this time, facing different barriers in your life, and for me, sometimes it's hard to know how to respond without fear. Now, I have to admit and confess to you that there have probably been many, many nights of my life where I spent all night long sinning as I rehearse in my mind over and over all the fear and panic and worry about the next day and my future and what's going to happen then. And so, uh, I don't want to give in to this fear, but it seems to be a, a thing that's there waiting for me at any moment when a hardship comes up or a barrier or a difficulty. Take, for example, uh, sitting down and looking at the finances of the church, and we've got $5,000 worth of bills, and we have $800 to pay it with. And... Uh, that's a difficult thing to figure out. And sometimes, you, you know, you get the, the shortness of breath, you know, and your heart starts racing and you're sweating. And this is a full-on panic attack here. What are we going to do about all this stuff? Have you ever felt that way? Do you ever feel that just 
fear, that cold fear that hits you about tomorrow, about your future, about America, about the world, about your family. Things don't go right when you run out of money. I suppose you could say I'm a, I'm a pessimist. I'm a, a worrywart. The, half is, the glass is half empty kind of a person. And I comfort myself by saying, well, well I'm just a realist. You know, I just go by the facts. <laughs> but fear isn't healthy. In fact, there's numerous studies out there that say that fear can cause all kinds of sickness and disease. It can cause health problems for you. Fear is very dangerous. It can actually kill you. People have had heart attacks in response to fear. Not to mention just making your life miserable. Horrible, horrible life because you're always stressed, always uptight, always worrying. I remember growing up. And if you remember, the 80s here in Washington was a terrible time economically, and, and everybody was getting laid off, and so my father was in that, and he was laid off. Remember how stressed out he was about uh, paying the mortgage and just even getting food for the family. This fear just seemed to have gripped him, gripped his heart. But fear can do all those things But it can do one thing that's even especially bad, I think, is when fear prevents us from the dreams that God has for us. Did you know that fear couldn't do that? That God has a plan and he has a dream and a vision for what he wants to do through your life. Maybe if it's even your dream that's in agreement with that. And fear can cause it to not happen, ever. You completely lose out on what God has planned for you because your reaction is in fear. This happened to Moses. Moses, as you know, Old Testament, he's leading the nation of Israel. You saw the movie, right? And so they go out of Egypt and the Red Sea and all of that. And so they're in the wilderness And uh, the people are complaining, and they're saying, you know, why did you take us out here, and we're going to just die, and there's no food, there's no water, and, and, you know, we we had all that in Egypt, and now we're out here suffering, and this is terrible, and God has abandoned us, and you have led us wrong, Moses. And so this happens a number of times, and Moses is pretty patient with the people. It almost seems like God's the one who's ticked off, and Moses is kind of holding God back. Except in this one case here in Numbers chapter 20. Here in this case, same thing is happening. The people are complaining. And so God says to Moses, he says, okay, what I'm going to do this time, there's no water in this place. I want you to go up to this big rock. You speak to the rock and the rock will gush forth water and it'll be enough for all the people and all their animals and everybody will have enough water. Kind of getting a theme here today. Fuji, it's the best. And uh, this all happened because, you know, the people are complaining. Moses runs into the temple with Aaron. They get on their face to pray. What are we going to do about not having water? And God speaks to them. Now that right there is a miracle. That's 
unbelievable. It's amazing. God spoke to them and said, this is what you must do. So Moses goes out of the tent. He gathers all the people around. He says, hey, everybody, okay. And he goes, you guys are a bunch of jerks. He tells them off. You rebels, you rotten people. You know, you got bad attitudes. And I don't know why God is not putting up with all of you people. And he just totally berates them. And then he says, and God's going to provide water for you. And you don't deserve it. And so he takes his rod and he smacks the rock twice. Water comes rushing out. All the people get water. And then God speaks to Moses. Verse 12, this is what he says. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of all the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. Now you understand the magnitude of this situation here. This was his lifelong dream. This was his dream. This is what everything Moses was living for. To take the nation into the promised land. And all of these years and all that he's done and all he's put up with. And now God is telling him he doesn't get to go. God's saying, okay, forget it. You don't get your dream. Because you didn't trust me enough to obey my instructions. I mean, the Lord spoke to Moses. That was a holy, reverent, powerful moment. And Moses got up from that and took matters into his own hands and rebuked the people and struck the rock rather than trusting God that he knew what was right. You see, what happens is we do the exact same thing. We get into a difficult situation, and we may go to God in prayer and say, God, what about this? What about that? But then ultimately we go and we try and solve it all on our own strength. And we get into panic and worry and fear and all this other stuff that, that happens in our life because we're trying to figure it all out and make it all happen. Rather than trust that God's solution is the right one. He couldn't trust that. So he had to do it in his own strength, his own way. And because of that, he lost his dream. It was taken away from him and Aaron both. So they didn't trust God enough. So how do you change that? How do you change How do you get your faith to work for you in these perilous times when you have trials? How do you get your faith to work for you so that your response is faith instead of fear? The answer is love. In 1 John 4, John wrote this. He said, there is no fear in love perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment so the one who fears is not made perfect in love love casts out all fear well how does that happen what do you mean 
When you love God with all of your being, with all of your heart, you love him, you trust him. As love and trust go hand in hand. You love him, you trust him, you know that he's good, that he's always going to be good, he's always going to respond to you in goodness and love and grace and mercy, and so God is good, and so no matter what I'm facing, I'm okay because I have my trust in the goodness of God that he's not going to do anything to hurt me. You know, I can't trust somebody that I'm not sure they're going to hurt me or allow me to be hurt. I can't trust that person. And so a lot of people don't trust God because they have him in that category. He's not trustworthy because he may hurt me or he may allow me to be hurt. So I can't trust him, so they don't. They don't properly understand how he loves them. They don't trust in his love. Therefore, they don't trust that he knows what is right for us. Love is the key to being fearless. If you're not going to have fear, if you're not going to have the panic attack, it all comes back down to love. Now, how does love begin in anyone? So it starts like this, right? Uh, This girl meets this guy. They fall in love. They get together. They say, uh, I take you, Susie Q., to be my lawfully loved wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or worse, richer or poor, sickness and health, blah, 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 kiss, we're married. Now, all of you that have been married longer than a day, answer this question, these questions. Are those two people in love? No. Do they have any idea what they're getting into? No. Do they know what love will look like in that relationship down the road? No. So what do they have? Mild infatuation? Is that worth a $24,000 wedding? (laughs) I don't know. But they don't. They don't love each other yet, okay? Maybe we have these feelings and we think we love each other, but then when we start going down the road of life and that love is tested, then we find out what kind of love we have. Do we have the kind of love that's a commitment that's going to stick with you no matter what? And all your screw-ups and all your faults and failures, am I going to love you through all of that? You see... It's, a, it's no different than loving God. In fact, it's, it's even far more difficult. At least with that person, you can see them and talk to them and at least engage with them in a way that you can work some things out. You can do that with God, but you can't see him. And for most of the time, you can't hear him. And so if you're having a hard time loving this person, certainly you're going to have a hard time loving God. It's very similar. Relationship with God begins very much like a relationship between two people. It starts out very rocky. (laughs) You don't know. You don't fully trust his motives yet. 
You don't know of all his goodness. You don't know how he's going to react. You don't fully know him. And so it's very difficult to trust him at first. Very difficult. And so then you encounter these situations. All you're left with is this big bag of fear and stress and worry and panic. And it's challenging. You don't know what to do. Why isn't God helping me? It's very difficult at the beginning But as you walk with God through season after season throughout life, you begin to develop this trust for him. You begin to love him through trials. Hardships, barriers, difficulties, challenges thrown in front of you are all opportunities for you to go deeper in your love with God. To see a whole new side of him. To see how he thinks about life and about things things that you're going through. You discover that by walking through it with the Lord. It's just life. It's just life. It's going through life, learning and growing. So if you've been walking with God for a decade, well then you should be really trusting him pretty well by now. I mean, come on now. How long does it take? You know, you should be doing pretty well. Trusting him, not freaking out anymore, not panicking. So things go bad. It looks terrible, but you're okay because you know who God is. You know he's good. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to harm you. It's all going to work out. We're fine. We have no fear because we know who we're in his hands. He's got us. He's got this. And if you've been walking with God for a long period of time and you're still walking in that fear and worry and panic and you don't have faith, well, then something went wrong. That's not how it's supposed to be. Something went wrong along the way. So you got to go back and figure out what went wrong and get that right because that's not how it works. You can... Develop a love for God. Well, how do you do that? Well, it's just like loving a person. It's very similar. So how do you, how do you love a woman? Well, how do, you, how do you love a man? You, you get to know them, right? You spend time with them. And when you have that infatuation stage and you have no idea what their hidden sins are and how much debt they have and all the other stuff that's revealed later on the honeymoon, <laughs> God forbid... Or maybe later. But you do find out. But you spend time with that person. And at first it's a lot of time. But you spend time with them. You get to know them. You ask them questions. You probe into their heart. You want to feel what they feel. You want to know what they know. You want to be close to them. So you read about them. You read a book, How to Love a Woman. You study it. You uh, give her gifts. You give him gifts. All these things all apply to our love for God and building our love for him and our relationship with him. You know, you make new commitments when you hook up with somebody. Do you realize that? Before you met that person, before you knew them, you were not making commitments. But as soon as you came together, all of a sudden you have all these brand new commitments. Things like... I'm going to see you and nobody else. I'm with, just with you. When other pe- women walk by, when I wasn't with you, oh, I'd look at them and I'd say stuff and I'd flirt, but with you now I'm not going to do that. That's a new commitment. 
And you literally make dozens of these new commitments. Well, the same is true of your relationship with God. He's looking for you to make new commitments to him. And so that's how it is in the Christian life. You're continually making new commitments as you get closer to him, as you grow, as you develop that love. So if you're not continually making new commitments, something's wrong. That's a part of it. I think for a lot of Christians, their relationship with God could be characterized by that of dating, right? So they're really dating God and because they've broken up with him 300 times already. You know, anytime he doesn't do what they want or they're blaming him for this happening or that happening or not happening and get mad at him and and say, oh, why didn't you do this? And why didn't you save me from this? And what's wrong with this? And why not this? And I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And I'm not going to go to church and I'm not this. And we're breaking up with him constantly over and over and over and over. And then we sit and wonder why we don't have more of a love for God. Well, why don't you make a commitment And then be faithful. Be faithful to him. So when something doesn't work out the way you want, doesn't go your way, don't immediately blame him. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Ask for further information, for insight. Help me and understand this, Lord. I don't understand what's happening. I want to. Help me. The next time you don't get what you want, the next time you experience pain or loss or an obstacle to your dreams, think about love first. You have to train yourself. Train yourself, okay, I'm not going to freak out and panic. I'm not going to have a panic attack this time. I'm going to think about love. Because loving God takes away my fear. So when I connect with him in love, when I know he loves me, I know immediately it's going to be okay. And then your mind can reflect on your past. And you can go back in your memory and say, when was the last time God let me down? How did we do the last time we ran out of money? Well, it worked out and we, we made it. We, we figured out a way to pay the bills. We're okay. God's always taken care of us. He will continue to take care of us. But you don't have that faith perspective. You don't, you're not fearless unless you're walking in that love relationship. There are things right now that you cannot change. Okay? A lot of times, the obstacles we face are out of our control. Okay? It's just, it can't be changed. It's the way it is. But the one thing you can change is how you respond to it. You can change how you're going to react to it. You can change, are you going to love God? Or give in to the fear. The next time you are afraid, maybe you should just say out loud, there is no fear in love. To remind yourself of the truth of this. There is no fear in love. Fear has never helped anyone add a single day to their life, according to Jesus. It's unproductive, it's not helpful, 
it does nothing good. You look through the scriptures, you'll notice anytime anyone encounters God, the first thing that is always said is fear not. Don't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of here. Trust me. Love me. You know, we've got a long way to go as a church. We're just really beginning. I mean, our church came back from the dead in 2010. We were on the, I mean, it was like days away from closing the doors. This thing is done. Sell it to the Catholics or somebody else. You know, it was over. God said no. He breathed life back into the church. So we're really just beginning on this incredible mission that God has given us that only somebody as perfect as Jesus could come up with, the brilliant, incredible mission of going into all the world and telling people about the love of Christ and seeing their minds change. It's a phenomenal vision Jesus has given to us. And if we're going to accomplish those things, those big things, we have got to become fearless. You have got to become fearless. If you're going to achieve all that God has planned for you, if you're going to come into the fullness of what God has, I mean, really big stuff, cool stuff, you're going to come into that. You've got to become fearless. Or you're going to end up like Moses. And a half a dozen other people in the scriptures who encountered those things, responded with fear, missed out. I could go on and on and on and on. Hebrews chapter 11, read it sometime. It's a story of great faith. Men and women choosing to be fearless in the face of fear because they knew whose hands they were in. As Paul said, uh, everyone must beware because I carry on my body the marks of Jesus Christ. Then I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because he loves me so much. Literally, I cannot fail because even in my failure, Christ loves me. I am fully loved and cherished. I need a church full of fearless people if we're going to have any kind of dent and mark or influence in our community. It's going to take fearless people who know that they're loved. And we can advance and do these, take these big leaps of faith because God is with us and He loves us. Of heaven, Christ is our joy forever. Joy.
Yeah.